Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And I want to welcome you to today's edition of Calvary Live. So blessed to be with you for the next hour. I am your host, Jeff Figs. I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley in northern Colorado. I'm here to take your questions and your prayer requests. You just heard the number to grab one of those open lines. It's 303-690-3000. And so I'll remind you of that number throughout the show. So grab one of those open lines and let's talk about the things of the Lord. Maybe you got a question uh, that your Bible reading has brought up, or maybe you heard a teaching, you're wondering uh, and asking perhaps for some clarification and understanding. Uh, maybe you have a question about Christian living or our worldview on certain things. Give me a call. Let's talk about the things that are important and the things of the Lord. We're so blessed that we're able to do that for Calvary Live. And so we welcome you. This is your show uh, to be able to call in 303-690-3000. We have open lines. And there is a second means for you to be able to ask questions and prayer requests um, that you want to give and ask for. And that's a text line. It's text line only. Uh, so be in a safe place if you text in a question or if you ask for prayer. And that number is 720-336-0897. And I would encourage you to put those numbers in your um, uh, smartphones, in your favorites, your contacts, and then you have it all the time. You can pull up. And when you say, hey, I got a question I want to ask, you can just pull it up and that number is there for you or text in a question as well. So I welcome everyone today on this Monday afternoon, this Monday evening. I want to welcome all you listening on Grace FM all along the Front Range uh, from Pueblo and Fountain in Colorado Springs up to Monument on 101.7 Grace FM. And then in northern Colorado from Castle Rock up through the metro area in Longmont and Boulder and Fort Collins and Greeley, up into southern Wyoming to Laramie and Cheyenne. So blessed that you're here. You're listening live today at Grace FM. And then those who pick up our program on the East Coast, Truth and Hope FM, uh, you too can call it that number, 303-690-3000, and ask your questions and give your prayer requests. You are a week delayed on the program, but we're so blessed that you're uh, here listening and that uh, you're a part of the show. So many calls that we get, uh, you on the East Coast and Maryland and uh, in Pennsylvania and New Jersey and uh, other places, Tennessee, um, Kentucky, uh, parts of North Carolina. Uh, so blessed uh, that you call in and, and we can dialogue and talk about the things of the Lord. So give me a call, 303-690-3000 is the number to call. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley. We are in the season of Advent, and it's a wonderful time of the year, isn't it? And I want to read to you from Matthew's Gospel. It's probably a very familiar portion of Scripture for you, but 
uh, as we are in December, in this season of Christmas. I want to uh, begin the show by just uh, reading those wonderful passages that have to do with the birth of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 1, it speaks about when the angel of the Lord came to Joseph and appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, and this is the prophet Isaiah, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. And then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife. And did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And so it's a wonderful portion of scripture. To, uh, the Christmas story is such a wonderful story that Jesus came to this world, born in Bethlehem, born of a virgin, and came for the purpose to be the Savior of the world as he would grow and, and later on die on the cross. So that's a message that we want to give to others. And I want to encourage you too that um, this Christmas season, as you're starting to get the uh, uh, schedules for uh, your church uh, for uh, Christmas Eve services, really pray about who you might invite. This is the time for you to be doing that and uh, for you to uh, invite somebody out to Christmas because Christmas and Easter are the two times where people are more, um, you know, maybe perhaps... Uh, willing to come to a church service. And and so invite them out to, to come out as we worship the Lord, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the Savior of the world. Pray about who you might invite, maybe somebody at work that's been on your heart throughout the year, perhaps uh, a neighbor, family members, old friends or whoever, and uh, we want to share with them the good news that Jesus Christ came to this world, the light of the world, uh, to bring us hope. Uh, as uh, he was born in Bethlehem, and and to to really have them understand the love of God to, that He would uh, give His Son for us. As uh, a child was um, born, a son is given, as Isaiah proclaimed. So I pray about that. But let's let's go to the phone lines. Let me pull up what we have here. Let's go to uh, Ken in Aurora. Ken, hi. Hi, how you doing, Pastor? Good. How are you, Ken? I am well. I got a question for you regarding a, a movement that I've been hearing a lot about um, called like the Black Hebrew or Black Israelite or uh, African Jewish. I don't know. It's something along those lines that I hear quite a bit about. And the little bit that I've kind of heard uh, regarding their, their uh, theology is, is, is very faulty. Um, However, um, I guess one of the things that they were saying were that, hey, you know, we are a part of the tribe, of the original tribe or whatever, and they base this partly off of uh, Deuteronomy, I believe it's the 20th chapter, and I want to say maybe the 68th verse. Is it Deuteronomy 28? Yes. Perhaps. I'm going to read it to you. Go ahead. Go ahead and finish your thought. No, I was just saying uh, I, I have it pulled up, uh, and okay. I guess what the if you can read it, I guess. 
I'm going to read from Deuteronomy 28, verse 68, and the Lord will take you back to Egypt in ships by the way of which I said to you, you shall never see it again. Is that the, the verse you were thinking of? Yes, it is. Yeah. Go, go ahead. And what the speaker was saying was like, well, you know, um, what Jewish, you know, uh, people have been put on ships and sent across and blah, 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 blah. And so I was like, hmm. You know, I mean, I know they're using it out of context, but I guess I was just trying to get a little bit of more light shined on that particular verse. Yeah, um, you know, it's a verse that I'd have to look at more carefully. I do know that, you know, the Jews came from, um, you know, they were all over the world, and part of it was the dispersa um, that uh, they— you know, after Babylon. But, you know, here in Deuteronomy, as it, it talks about this, um, I'd have to look at it a little bit more closer. But okay. the Jews had a, a heavy population all throughout North Africa. And, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, the, and the reason that I have to look at it, because chapter uh, 28 talks about the garments of the priests. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden this insert uh, was here uh, put into it. So... Um, I don't have a real good answer for you, and okay. um, and I'd have to look at it kind of a little bit closer. But um, anyway, so sorry, I can't help you a whole lot on that. I'm trying to pull up some things and think at the same time, no, no, no. <laughs> which is that's hard. Fine. Which is if hard you, for me to do. Would, I guess <laughs> um, you know, as you go about your show, if you find something, if you can just kind of speak, and I'm listening to the program. So uh, if you find anything more, oh, yeah. I do appreciate the information you gave me as far as. Uh, they spread all over the world, and and there was a big population in North Africa as well, just all over. So, I mean, it gives me some sort of uh, ground uh, back and start. Yeah, okay. L- let me pull up something here in chapter 28, because I was looking at the wrong chapter, actually. he He's oh. talking about Deuteronomy 28 and 29, or those two famous chapters um, mm-hmm. that talk about the um, the cursings and the blessings, right? Yes. Yeah, and that's that's the chapters that you're making reference to. So I apologize for that. I'll get on the right course with you. And okay. he, you know, he he talks about in this um, the in chapter 28 um, the um, the blessings of obedience, and then he talks about the curses of obedience, and that there's going to be consequences of that. But yeah. I have to look at see exactly what it is that they're saying to kind of. Okay you know, know, you know, what it is that they're trying to to say. But basically, um, he's saying that there's going to be consequences. You're going to go off into captivity. There's going to mm-hmm. be, you know, consequences of that. Um, and there's going to be cursing that comes because of your disobedience. And that's what happened when we look at their history, that they yeah. would go off into captivity. And we also know that, uh, you know, they would not only go to Babylon, they then would be spread out. They want to you know, during Jeremiah's time, remember? And mm-hmm. in Jeremiah, when, um, you know, Babylon came in, and they were to be submissive to Nebuchadnezzar, but they ended up killing the governor, and then they ran off to Egypt. So they go off to Egypt. Uh, many of them ended up being killed. Uh, Jeremiah was taken off into Egypt instead of staying there. So there was a lot of consequences in all of that. Uh, that they were dispersed and stuff. We know that okay. there's a strong population of Jews in Ethiopia. and um, But there seems to be—here's the interesting thing that um, it, it, as well, 
is that there was an article that came out in Fox News today. Mm-hmm. And Ken, this article talked about a group of Jews that were in Egypt on the Nile that had gone over there. And the article wasn't very specific, but I've read more details on that, what Base Institute um, has uh, perhaps a theory, what they've uh, archaeologists have discovered there was a group of Jews over by the Nile in Egypt, and they built kind of a replica of the temple, and it was during the time of Manasseh, and you know Manasseh was the worst of the kings, and this is all before the captivity took place. So what they did is they went over to Egypt because they felt the priesthood was corrupt, which it was at that time. Um, they went on that island, and um, the article goes on to say that eventually what they believe is they took the Ark of the Covenant there, and then it ended up in Ethiopia, and that's where perhaps it is today. Um, I have some question on that theory, um, right. but we know that they ended up going even perhaps before the captivity, a remnant of the Jews over into Egypt, and were there during the days of Manasseh right before they went into captivity. So I'd have to read that article. I'll, I'll pull it up and read it and and um, be enlightened by it and see what it is that they're saying. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Pastor. Hey, thanks for calling, and and uh, gives me something to read and look at and wonder about. So appreciate your call. You're welcome. God bless you. You bet, Ken. God bless you. All right. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. When somebody hangs up, we have an open line. This is Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figs. Uh, sometimes I don't know uh, all the, the answers to the questions, and there's so much out there, but it's interesting to talk about those things and to, to see you know um, uh, those things that uh, are going on that we wonder about, and we'll do the best that we can, kind of go through it and talk about those things. Uh, let's go to Ralph in Boulder. Ralph? Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you, Ralph? Oh, not too bad. I just had a quick question. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Fire away. So I I just started a, a Bible class. I'm new to the church. Um, the church I'm using is Lutheran. Um, I was just kind of wondering, what's the difference between Lutheranism and regular Christianity? Well, Christianity is a broad term for all believers in Christ. And um, Lutheran, you know, you have the Lutheran Church, you have Catholicism, um, you have all these terms um, that are used today to describe the Church, and you have the Lutheran Church. Uh, and um, and so, uh, really, Christianity consists of anyone who is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Um, mm-hmm. We know that um, that uh, um, the Bible, the New Testament, talks about there's one body, there, there's one church. Paul, when he was addressing the Corinthian believers, he was addressing them on uh, the whole subject of there was different groups that were forming. Some were saying that they were of Paul, some were saying they were of Apollos, some were saying that were of Peter, some were saying the real spiritual ones were of Jesus, and it's kind of what we see today. There are different groups. There's Baptists, Lutherans, Episcopals, you know, all uh, Methodists, all these different groups that have formed. And a lot of them started out with uh, a dedication to the Word of God, uh, just really desiring to uh, worship in, in a certain manner. Um, and they have their 
orders of service and stuff. So there's nothing wrong with denominations uh, per se, but the church is believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And our supreme unity is our love for the Lord and the essential truths of what the Scriptures have to say. So there are um, God's remnant in each denomination and believers um, that we all are a part of Christianity. Makes sense. Um, I only ask, because just every time I ask somebody within the Church, they always just tell me that they're a little bit lazier than regular Christians, and I was just always confused by that. How can you be lazy about it if... Your That's whole focus is on God. Yeah, and, um, you know, the Lutheran Church started with Martin Luther. Um, he, you know, he is the one that brought in the Reformation, um, and which was a very important time in Church history. And uh, it's interesting that you said that, and I don't know why they would say that, that Lutherans are a little bit lazy. Uh, it kind of reminds me when uh, Paul is writing to uh, Titus in Crete, uh, that the Cretans were known for being lazy. But the Lutheran Church um, is, you know, a denomination that's been around, and there's different groups of the denomination, and um, you have the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, the Lutheran Church of Missouri, um, and um, they, you know, have their doctrines of statement. But here's the thing to remember. Uh, always remember this, is that Christianity is there's only really one church. It's not Calvary Chapel, it's not the Lutheran Church, it's not the Baptist Church, there's one church under Jesus Christ. And so, you know, um, and that's the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, a universal church, and that's Christianity. Okay? okay? So Christianity awesome. is of those, yeah, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and his resurrection. So, hey, keep studying, keep listening, Keep reading your Bibles, and it'll all start making sense to you. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. You bet. You're welcome. Thanks for your call. Appreciate it, Ralph. Yeah, no problem. Uh-huh. Bye. Uh-huh. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figgs. You can give me a call at 303-690-3000 to be on the air, or you can text me a question or your prayer request at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. Some interesting questions have come in so far today, and uh, so let's continue with our callers with Amy from Aurora. Amy, hi, Pastor. Thanks for having me. How are you today? I'm doing great, thanks. Good. Well, I appreciate your call. <laughs> thanks. Hey, uh, just a quick question for you. Um, in regards to tithing, uh, what the Bible says about it, and, um, you know, I know that it's something that needs to be done, but I've never really understood it, and um, I didn't know if it was supposed to be a certain amount or what, and I'm just really hoping you can help me uh, understand it a little yeah. bit more. Yeah, because it's a question that a lot of people have, and they can ask me about tithing. We know in the Old Testament, the, the Old Testament talks about the tithe, um, and matter of fact, in the book of Malachi, um, it was the Lord that was speaking to his people, and he said that uh, you haven't given the tithe, and the tithe means a tenth. So what a lot of people do is um, they either say, okay, that's a good principle, the tithe, 10%, but, but here's the thing on that, Amy. 
when you go through the Old Testament, they, they would to give a tithe, but they were to give a temple um, tithe as well for the priests. They were to um, give of their first fruits, you know, uh, and and all these different things. So when you add up all the the tithes and offerings that they were to give, it actually is more closer to like twenty twenty five percent. And uh, so all these different offerings, first fruits, tithes that they were to give, temple taxes that they were to pay, that you read about. Now, when you go to the New Testament, and what people sometimes begin to say is, well, that's an Old Testament um, principle or Old Testament command is to give of the tithe. Mm-hmm. When we go to the New Testament, Paul's talking to the Corinthians about giving, and he's talking to them about that in um, chapter 8 and chapter 9 of Second Corinthians. Uh, and he's talking chapter 9 of Corinthians? Yeah, Second Corinthians. And those are two good chapters for you to read about, um, because I think Paul gives really the New Testament uh, um, principle of giving. And he, he's saying to the Corinthian churches, what Paul is doing is he's taking a collection from the churches there in Greece that he's going to take to Jerusalem. Uh, he is um, taking it from the churches he established on his second missionary journey. And he says to them that... Uh, that you follow the example of the churches in Macedonia, that is, in Philippi, Thessalonica, those churches in northern Greece, the Corinthians, uh, for some reason, hadn't followed through with giving. So Paul's talking about that Christ is our pattern for giving. And he goes on, and he's uh, talking about how um, that uh, it is you know, a blessing to be able to give. And he says that the Lord loves a cheerful giver, is what he says. And I think that that really is the guideline for us to give in the New Testament. Um, He desires for us to be a cheerful giver. He speaks to them about giving freely. He speaks to them about giving willingly. And then he says that the Lord loves a uh, cheerful, you know, a uh, cheerful giver. And that word cheerful is kind of interesting because it means a hilarious giving. Sure. So the tithe is a good principle if you want to use the tithe. But what the primary principle is, is that we are to give freely. We are to give willingly. Um, we are to give, you know, cheerfully. And, and that is whatever amount the Lord puts on your heart. So you have the tithe, you have the offering maybe perhaps. Um, I always consider the offering is um, a tithe is perhaps what you might give to the church. I think it's important to support the church that you're going to. Mm -hmm. The offering, because there's other ministries that uh, you might want to give to or missionaries or anything like that. So the 10% is a good principle, but as long as you're given cheerfully, as long as you're given willingly and freely, and Paul doesn't say only give if you make this amount of money. We see in the New Testament that we are to give, and uh, we are to give to the Lord and invest in the kingdom, and, and that's what he desires for us to do, uh, is to give in that way. So he loves a cheerful uh, um, giver, giver, and uh, he wants us to do it freely. And, and I tell people, because here at our church, uh, Amy, I don't take a formal offering. Uh, I never have. I've never asked for money. 
but we provide a way for people to give money because we are to give and we are to invest in the kingdom. And I'm so thankful for the people who do give here because I'm able to be here full time. We're able to keep the lights on, the heat on, to be able to do ministry, to be able to have this radio program that we have on Grace FM uh, at 3.30, to be able to uh, reach out to our community and other places. Uh, So I'm very thankful for that. But I always tell the people, listen, you give cheerfully. Don't I, I never want to manipulate people into giving, and I never want to get a guilt trip in people giving. But when we give, it should be—it's really an act of worship is what it is. And there's nothing wrong with having a formal you know, offering when they pass the basket around. It should be a time of worship. It be a, should be a time of rejoicing and a time where we're giving freely. And that's the thing to keep in mind, Amy, is when you give, give cheerfully, give will, you know, willingly, give freely to the Lord. And in the church at Macedonia, they gave out of their own poverty and persecution. So they really set the example. So read those two chapters, and, and you'll see that it's going to be encouragement to you. Okay, and you said Second Corinthians chapter 8 through 9, and what was the other one? Yeah, um, yeah, those, are the, yeah th- those are the two main chapters that you are okay. to read. I did quote from Malachi, that yeah. in Malachi he was saying that, hey, you've robbed from me. You've taken from me. Um, and they said, where have we stolen from you, Lord? He said in the tithe that you haven't given to me. And, you know, it isn't that, here's the thing, it isn't that, um, you know, the, the religious leaders, in you might recall in the Gospels, that they boasted that they tithe of everything. Uh, it's in Luke chapter uh, 18, I believe, that, Uh, Jesus tells a parable of a Pharisee that goes up to the temple and says, I fast twice a week, you know, I tithe of everything that I have. He was boasting in what he was doing in his religiousness. And then there was the tax collector that wouldn't even look up to heaven and smote his breast and said, forgive me, for I am a sinner. He came in humility, and Jesus said that tax collector went away justified. Um, but the the religious leaders they would tithe everything. They would even tithe the seeds of their gardens, you know, uh, of their herbs, of their spices, whatever. You know, nine for me, one for God. They used to blow the trumpets when they gave, where people would look at them and say, "Oh, look at the Pharisee, he's giving." And Jesus says, "When you give." Give in secret. When you fast, you know, the Lord sees you. When you pray, you don't have to make these long prayers on the street corners. So that's why it's important for us to have a right heart when we're given to the Lord, um, when we're given of our resources, when we're serving the Lord, when we're worshiping Him. Um, it's not to be seen of men, but to please the Lord because we want to. So that's what we see. And when it comes to giving to the Lord, it isn't like, okay, I make $1,000 a month, for example, that $100 is the Lord and 900 is mine. It's all the Lord's, Amy. It all belongs to him. And he's blessed it. And Lord, whatever you want me to give, I'm going to put it on my heart. And it's the one area, Amy, that he says, I'm going to test you in this area. I'm going to test you in this area. It's the one time the Lord says, that I'm going to test you, and you're going to see that I'm going to bless you. And one of the things that you will find out, Amy, as you give to the Lord, as he leads you, and you give cheerfully and and willingly, 
is that you cannot outgive God. And what we have done as a church is we've set that as a standard. 10% of everything that's ever come in goes into a missions fund. It is not to pay bills. It is not to pay salaries. It's not to buy equipment. It's not to, um, for any of those things, for ministry purposes. It is to give to others. It is to give to missionaries. It is to buy Bibles. It is to reach out to others. And one of the things that we have found is we cannot outgive God. That He's so faithful and He provides for us. So, you know, we we give cheerfully, willingly, knowing that the Lord's going to bless. So, good question, Amy. Hope that helps. Awesome, it did. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Okay, we're going to go right. to break here. Thanks, Amy. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. This is Pastor Jeff Figgs of Calvary Chapel Greeley. So blessed to be with you and and uh, been having a wonderful time. We have plenty of time for you to be able to call in. We have some open lines. And uh, so give me a call at 303-690-3000. And Amy, I just wanted to say, I was looking at this during the break, but I want to read it to you if you're still listening, um, is in Second Corinthians chapter 9, uh, because we came to the break, uh, Paul writes this, but I say this, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purpose in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So that goes along with what we were talking about. Amy was talking about uh, the tithe and giving, and the primary uh, quali- quali- qualifications or the you know guidelines for us to give in the New Testament, I should say, is that he wants us to give as we our purpose in our heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, being manipulated and all of this, and that goes on in the church today, but to give freely and willingly, for God loves a cheerful giver. So I think that's going to be a help to you, Amy, again. Thanks for calling in. And that's something that's a struggle with Christians, is giving, and partly because uh, there's so much on the um, you know Christian TV station where there are some ministries that they just— uh, all they do is ask for money, and they manipulate people, and they give false teaching about seed faith, and you know, call in, and if you give, uh, you know, this amount of money, then you're going to uh, have this blessing, or you're going to receive this anointing, or uh, call in and and give this money, your seed faith to me, and you'll receive a hundredfold. Be careful in those things. Hey, be a cheerful giver, as the Lord purposes in your heart, not grudgingly, not out of necessity. You know that I got to pay God off for a blessing, um, but for um, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Get out of your heart and know this: that if you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. We can't outgive God, so uh, appreciate that call. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. As I said, I just want to take a minute, and then we're going to go back to the phone lines. That uh, as we are in the season of Christmas, as I encourage you at the beginning of the show. 
that pray about who you might invite out to the Christmas uh, uh, services. And I really press this when it comes to Christmas and when it comes to Easter, because we want to reach out to others. And sometimes Christians can be a little bit critical of, well, you know, those who only go to church on Christmas and Easter, hey, this could be an opportunity for you to be able to minister to them, for them to come to um, the gospel, uh, for those who are non-believers, to those who come and hear the good news that Jesus was born, the Savior of the world, and the purpose why he came. Uh, so pray about who you might invite, and, and uh, that's going to plant seeds. Uh, people come to salvation. Uh, that's what we pray for. I encourage the people, and I don't ask a lot from our congregation, but I do ask them this, that I want you to be a light, and I want you to invite somebody out to Christmas Eve services, or also what we have is on New Year's Eve, we do a prophecy update. I do that every year, and that is a great interest to people. What does the Bible have to say about his second advent when he comes back? And invite people out and and, uh, to bring them here. And we do a lot of things, radio outreach, we have social media, we have all these things that are tools to invite people to church and and to our church. And we're like anybody else that does that. We want to reach our community. But I'll tell you what, that one-on-one touch, as you invite that person that is linked to you in your life, that you talk to at work or live next to or family members, uh, there's nothing like it. There's nothing that can substitute it. So I heard a statistics once that there's uh, a majority of Christians that have never invited somebody to church, and I pray that you would consider that and invite them out to worship on Christmas Eve, and um, and so they can, you know, uh, come and hear the good news that the Savior of the world was born two thousand years ago. So we do want to continue with our phone line. Says I'll give you that number again: three zero three six nine zero three thousand. And then the text line is 720-336-0897. And as time permits, we'll go uh, and um, we'll answer those text questions. But first, we want to go to, back to the phone lines. Let's go to Lynn in Aurora. Hi, Pastor Lynn, Jeff. how are you, Lynn? I'm good, thank you. Um, I good. have a co-worker, um, and you mentioned the season of Christmas. I have um, him quoting Jeremiah chapter 10, uh, stating that if you celebrate Christmas, you are practicing a pagan type of ritual. Um, Also, if you celebrate Thanksgiving, you are celebrating murdering Indians. Um, It's getting to be very um, uncomfortable with him because it's like an everyday thing. And I'm not is sure it? of how to address him. He keeps calling me an Israelite. Really? Yes. So, <laughs> well, I, I I think he's a little bit misguided from what the scriptures are saying. I'm going to read for the sake of our readers from Jeremiah chapter 10 because some people will use this to say you shouldn't have a Christmas tree or you shouldn't celebrate Christmas. And I'm going to read it as the prophet Jeremiah saying, "Hear the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel." Thus says the Lord, do not learn the way of the Gentiles. Now, that was a term for non-believers. Do not be dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the Gentiles are dismayed at them, for the customs of the people are futile. For one cuts a tree from the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with an axe. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers, so it will not topper. 
topple. They are upright like a palm tree, and they cannot speak. They, they must be carried because they cannot go by themselves. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil, nor can they do any good. So that's the text that he's using to say you shouldn't yeah. celebrate Christmas. Oftentimes people will use that just to say you shouldn't get a Christmas tree. In the context of what Jeremiah the prophet is talking about, he's talking about those who are involved in idol worship. So okay. they, what they would do, and Isaiah talks a lot about this as well. Isaiah says you go and you cut down a tree, and you use half the tree to put into the fire to cook with or you know, to keep warm with. The other half, you fasten it, you prop it up, and you make an image out of it, and you end up worshiping it. And that's what Jeremiah is saying. What they were doing is, is they were putting these things up as, as an altar to worship you know, idols, uh, these trees. Okay. The, the Old Testament also talked about wooden groves. They would go into the wooden groves, and it is believed that you know, they would uh, decorate the trees. Uh, it was places of immorality. It was places of idol worship. So it's not saying to you and to me as Christians that we shouldn't have a Christmas tree. Now, I don't okay. think, I have great confidence, Lynn, that if you put up a Christmas tree, that you're not there worshiping the Christmas tree or an idol, right? Correct. No. Yeah, neither neither am I in most Christians. So if Christians feel, you know, in their conscience that they cannot put up a Christmas tree, that that's something that they don't want to do, that's fine. You don't want to go against somebody's conscience, and, and and they can't do it in faith. That's okay, but I don't think there's anything in the Scripture that prohibits us from having a Christmas tree. As a matter of fact, you can use that Christmas tree I have because we have trees up in the church, you know, mm-hmm. that right. have lights on, and, um, and, and it's wonderful. And um, one of the trees we got where we're uh, providing for toys for uh, families uh, that that can't afford a toy for their kid, their their gift trees angel and those tree. gift tags. Yeah, it's kind of like an angel tree. Right. And but but the thing is that when we have a tree, you put the lights on it. It reminds me that Jesus is the light of the world. Yeah. Um, you know, the tree reminds me that Jesus hung on a tree for our yes. sins. Yeah. Um, presence under the tree reminds me that the greatest gift was given to us, and that is Jesus Christ, and salvation is a free gift. Those are all things that we can speak of when somebody comes into our homes. We're not talking about idol worship. We're not talking about those kinds of things. Now, when it comes to Thanksgiving, um, you know, um, Thanksgiving was actually uh, started by those who wanted to give thanks to the Lord. And right. as you look at it historically, that's the whole um, reason why Thanksgiving was given. Uh, when they came to start a new nation, and um, they had received help from uh, the Native Americans that were there, and they were invited. And you can read about the first Thanksgiving wasn't really a turkey, but it was very, very simple. And, and eventually, you know, turkeys was, um, you know, wild turkeys that were around and mm-hmm. stuff. But the bottom line was this. They were giving thanks to the Lord for right. his provision, and that's what Thanksgiving is about. It's not about killing you know, Native Americans or anything like that. And so I, I think he, there's a lot of things that people can read on the Internet that you know, just works people up and stuff like that. But 
to say on Thanksgiving, it is a day where we remember that we're thankful to the Lord. And we have so much to be thankful for in his provision and his bounty in his goodness and his grace. So I would keep it in that conversation. And um, okay. I don't know what he means that you're an Israelite. Um, <laughs> you know, I have no idea. You know, if you uh, are a citizen of Israel, you're an Israelite, you know? Right. And it's like, I'm not an Israelite. So I would keep it there and, and just, okay. you, you know, speak about the goodness of the Lord and, you know, the the grace of God and, you know, I, I put up a Christmas tree because I like to, and it reminds me of, you know, Jesus being the light of the yeah. world and yeah. his gift, you know, and that's what I'm going to do. If you don't want to have a Christmas tree, that's up to you. So, right. but there are people that, you know, because, you know, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th and we shouldn't celebrate. Every day should be celebrated that Jesus exactly. was born. Exactly. I agree. I, I don't have any problems with it. And I think the biggest problems that Christian have is Santa Claus and all of that. And keep focused right. Jesus. That's the main thing. Keep him the focus of, of the holiday. Keep him the focus of everything that we do. Um, and I'm going to celebrate Christmas, and we're going to rejoice on Christmas Eve, the birth of our Savior. And uh, and I love this time of year. So um, keep yes. it keep it in that realm, and you'll be fine. Okay. Thank you so much. You bet, Lynn. Hope blessed. that helps. All right. You Thank you. Bye-bye. You bet. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figgs. 303-690-3000 is the number to call if you want to ask your questions or if you need prayer requests. Somebody had called in earlier, and I don't want to forget, and they were asking for prayer, and uh, they didn't want to be on the phone, but just asking for uh, prayer for uh, their marriage and difficulties that they're going through, and the Lord knows who they are. So if you'll allow me for a minute, Father, we just asked for this individual that took the time to call in, and uh, we want to take the time to pray, and that's going through a difficult time in their marriage. You know who they are, who called in, and I pray that there be healing, there be restoration. You know the situation, um, and Lord, I just pray there be coming together, and, Lord, it's a work that only you can do um, in this situation uh, that this one is facing. Lord, bring strength, bring clarity and understanding. And, Lord, I pray that the trust would be restored and uh, healing would come and uh, uh, a commitment to each other would come once again. Take them through those steps. I pray that there be counseling that uh, would help uh, from godly men uh, who will give counsel to this couple. Lord, we just lift it up to you, and we pray that you would work a miracle uh, in this marriage because, uh, Lord, it's a holy institution that you love. So work and show yourself strong on their behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. So thank you for allowing me to do that. And sometimes people call in, and they just have a prayer request, and they'll shy perhaps to talk, and that's okay. We're going to minister to them the best that we can. But let's go to Doug in Fort Lupton. How are you today? Doug? Good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I was, uh, my question was, um, understanding baptism uh, between a like the age of accountability, knowing what you're doing versus getting baptized before you know what you're doing. Um, right. A friend at work was talking about how his uh, they did a baptism for a child to wash their sins away. And I couldn't come up with a really good verse right off the bat. And have a good explanation for why that's not 
necessary. Yeah, and there's a lot of there's a lot of questions about baptism and stuff. And of course, in Romans chapter six, Paul talks about baptism. He he starts out he starts this section in Romans about the, the whole doctrine of sanctification. Should we continue in sin um, that grace abounds? He said certainly not. That we walk in this newness of life and we identify with Christ. And he he speaks about identifying with Christ. Uh, with baptism. And, and I'll read it to you. He says, Do you not know as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we shall walk in the newness of life. So baptism is something that that uh, we are commanded to be baptized. It is not necessary for salvation. First of all, there are those who will come along and say that you have to believe and be baptized. Um, They need to read Romans chapter 3. They need to read the book of Galatians. There's no works that we can do to be saved. Now, with that said, baptism is an important part of our Christian lives. Uh, we, We are told to be baptized because we're identifying with Christ, but that baptism is to be an outward expression of an inward belief. It's a it's right. a declaration that I am now a believer. It's a public proclamation that that I am baptized. I am identifying with Christ, as Romans chapter six says. And as I go under the water, water it symbolizes the old man is dead. My sins are buried with Christ um, in His death. But then coming out of the water, it symbolizes that I am you know, resurrected with him in this newness of life, in this new life that I now have in him. That's what it symbolizes. Now, being baptized does not wash away your sins. And I've been to memorial services with certain denominations or, or, you know, that said, well, so-and-so was baptized in the church, so they're saved, and they were forgiven of, of sins. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from sins. Baptism does not wash away any of our sins. So um, it's an identifying with Christ, and I think Romans chapter 6 is a good reference to show people that. And um, But every example, too, that we see, Doug, in the New Testament of somebody being baptized is that they are a believer. So... It's not an They're at infant an age baptism. where they can represent, or they can they right. can speak of what Christ has done to them. So a good verse to life. read to the yeah a good verse to read to them is in Acts chapter eight. And let me pull it up for you. Is the Ethiopian eunuch, and you perhaps are familiar with that story. How Philip was told to go to Gaza, and as he went to Gaza, um, he meets an Ethiopian on a a chariot that's reading from Isaiah chapter 53. And mm-hmm. uh, the Ethiopian asked Philip, who's this speaking of? Is it speaking of, you know, um, some the prophet or, you know, uh, who's it speaking of? And, and so uh, as he asked, is it speaking of um, some other man other than Isaiah? And Philip opened his mouth in the beginning of the Scripture, preached Jesus to him, and then they went down to the road. They came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. 
And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So the prerequisite to be baptized is you believe. And um, right. and once somebody can make that decision that, you know, Jesus is my Lord, um, that he's my Messiah, that he's my Savior, that I've asked for forgiveness, then we are baptized. Uh, but some mm-hmm. make it a ritual to where baptism is like, okay, I'm baptized, now I'm saved because of baptism, or I have forgiveness of sin because of baptism. You can be baptized a thousand times. You can be kept underwater till you wrinkle like a prune, but it isn't going to save you. Right. And it, it's and it's not going to provide forgiveness of sin. It's an outward expression of an inward belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, right. baptism is a wonderful thing. We baptize, and I've baptized children. But one of the things that I make sure that they understand that that they understand this, that are you a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? That's a prerequisite, and that it's a public declaration that I identify with Christ and coming out to the waters. Yes, thank you so much. You bet. So those are good verses to to show them. All right, appreciate your call, Doug. Absolutely, thank you very much. You have a good evening. 303-690-3000. We still have some time in the show if you want to grab one of those open lines. But let's go to Lynn in Fort Collins. Lynn? Hi. Hi. You're I'm on here. Calvary Live. How are you? Um, good. How are you doing? I am doing good. Good. My question is kind of piggybacking off of his baptism in water question. And uh-huh. that is, um, is there a separate baptism of the Holy Spirit that is separate from receiving the Holy Spirit when you get saved. Right. So, um, yeah, there, there's, there's baptisms that are spoken of in the New Testament. There's water baptism, or, as I said, is identifying with Christ in that outward expression of an inward belief. There is uh-huh. being baptized into the Church, you know, into the body of Christ. Once you become a believer, you're baptized into the body of Christ— I believe Paul talks about that um, in Ephesians, uh, in um, in First Corinthians as well, being baptized into the church, um, and then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit um, is uh, s- separate from those things, and um, so when the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in John's Gospel that the Holy Spirit is with everyone to convict them of sin. In other words, the Holy Spirit is convicting people. We can't come to Jesus unless the work of the Holy Spirit is convicting us of that sin. Okay. So he's with everyone. Then when we become a believer, Jesus, to his disciples in that upper room, breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was in them. We know that Paul talks about the mystery, I tell you, that Christ dwells in you in the book of Ephesians. So every believer, the Holy Spirit is in them, dwells in our hearts. Now, I believe there's a third act of the Holy Spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit coming upon. It's the Greek word epi. And it was Jesus, after he had breathed in them the Holy Spirit, they were born again, they were saved, then he would say to them that I want you to wait in Jerusalem for the coming um of the Holy Spirit, for the promise of the Father uh, to you. 
And as mm-hmm. they're up there, um, and he said, for the coming upon of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to pull it up here and make sure I read it to you right so you understand. Okay. But they were to wait, wait in Jerusalem for that to happen. You have heard okay. from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And um, he would say that, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon, that is that Greek word epi, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, to all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So that third uh, act of the Holy Spirit is to come upon. You can call it the filling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it. And the purpose of that is is to empower you to be a witness. He says you okay. shall receive powers, the Greek word deutomos, where we get our English word dynamite, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, to, and you shall be witnesses to me. Not that you're going to go out and witness, but I'm going to give you the power to be a witness, and that speaks not only the words that you speak, but also um, the way that you live your life. Because the way that we live our life is so important, isn't it, um, yes, Lynn? Yes, it is. And be, being a witness. So it is you know, giving you the power to live a life for Jesus Christ. Jesus would say in Luke's gospel that if a son asks for bread you know, from his father, he's not going to receive a stone. Um, right. And your Father in heaven, who is good— how much more will he give you the Holy Spirit for those who ask? So the question is, how do I receive this coming upon of the Holy Spirit? I think you just receive it in faith, that you just ask. And he's a good father, that, and just coming and saying, Lord, I need the empowering, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And as you go through the book of Acts, you see that there was a continual filling. And, um, I, you know, I ask constantly, Lord, just fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to be baptized to have the power to live for him, to do what he's called me to do. It doesn't mean you're going to get the Holy Ghost goosebumps. It doesn't mean that you're going to automatically speak in tongues. I believe in the gifts of tongues. But some Mm -hmm. people say that the evidence of being filled with the Spirit is you have to speak in tongues. The evidence is of a person who is Spirit-filled is, first of all, love. Paul says, I show Mm -hmm. you a more excellent way. And then you're living for Christ. You're empowered to live for him. So I think it's asking in faith, the coming upon of the Holy Spirit. So hopefully that helps. And um, so. Yeah, and you can uh, pull up our study on Acts in chapter 1, and I explain it a little bit more. Um, okay. And there's some people that come along and they say, well, what do you mean? Are you telling me that, that you know I'm a believer and I haven't asked for the coming upon of the Holy Spirit, that I don't have the Holy Spirit. No, that's not what I'm saying. Every believer has the Holy Spirit in them, but then right. there's the filling and the coming upon to empower us. And man, I want all of the Holy Spirit. I need all the Holy Spirit. I need Him filling me, empowering me, so I can live for the Lord. And and Jesus said, if you ask, how much more the Father will give the Holy Spirit for those who ask? So He's a good Father. Ask in faith. Receive it in faith. And, you know, when I asked the very first time that, you know, I heard that teaching many, many years ago, I remember just going up and saying, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I feel dry. I feel, you know, like um, I'm weak, and I just need to be empowered. And it, it was amazing. It wasn't Holy Ghost goosebumps. It wasn't, you know, all of a sudden speaking in tongues. It wasn't all of this. It was just the Lord. I think he honored that. 
and he'll honor the heart who says, I want more of you, Lord, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so so that's the, the what we see concerning the ministering work of the Holy Spirit. Very good. Very good. So you think that, it, in your opinion, do you think that you have to ask for it over and over per situation, or you ask for it one time and it he just yeah. comes and infills you? Well, that's that's the other debate, because you go through the book of Acts and— you know, there's you know they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Me, I like to ask, <laughs> and yeah. and I don't think you know it's like Lord, I need you like right now to just That's empower right. me. And, and I think that yeah, you know they were empowered. The Holy Spirit came upon them on the day of Pentecost. But you know, for me, I like to you know just Lord, I need you. Holy Spirit, fill me, fill me today to live for you, and. Uh, and maybe I don't have to, but I mm-hmm. am sure going to, you know, do that because I need him. I need the filling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism, whatever you call it. And I believe that that's what the Lord wants to do. Uh, he just wants us to be sensitive to his leading and dependent upon him in every way. And that's, for me, a way to be dependent. That's awesome. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully that helps. Yeah, it did. It did very much. Thank you. Good question, Lynn. Appreciate you calling. So, hey, you hear the music, so we're at the end of the show. I appreciate your questions, some good questions, some hard questions, but I just love it that people are really wanting to learn about the Lord and the Scriptures and what they have to say. So I appreciate your calls, and we'll see you next time. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.